the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Well, greetings, everybody, and uh, welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Now, today we're talking with Greg Cross. Greg has a pretty esteemed uh, history within the uh, the technology and the uh, the business world in New Zealand. Recently won the award at the uh, NZ High Tech Awards of the New Zealand High Tech Flying Kiwi 2019, but really has a, a wealth of experience and knowledge and currently is leading Soul Machines. Welcome along to the podcast, Greg. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. It's, it's uh, great to be here. Well, I appreciate you taking the uh, the time out. I know that during this period, for many of us, it's actually busier than it than it normally is, and I imagine you're probably in that uh, in that category where uh, COVID nineteen has piled an extra workload on top of you compared to some who are maybe uh, you know not not able to uh, to work. I would imagine at Soul Machines, you're uh, you're probably pretty flat tack. Yeah, look, um, you know, we're, a, we're we're very as a company, you know, we're we're very lucky. Um, in many respects, uh, we uh, we're a digital uh, we're a, a digital company. So, you know, I have 150 people all over the world working from home. Uh, we have uh, we're, we're working in a in a part of the um, tech sector where we can actually help a lot during this time. So, you know, and perhaps we'll get into talking about some of the projects we've undertaken to actually, you know, try and make a difference and, and figure out how our technology can make a difference in, in times like uh, this and the new world or whatever whatever follows on from here going going forward. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting time. It's a very different world for me. I, I usually spend most of my life uh, on an aeroplane. <laughs> um, flying around the world, um, you know. I mean, I, I'm once again lucky to be living in New Zealand, but um, I, I travelled for business and I travelled non-stop for business. So, um, you know, this is the, you know, this is the longest I've actually uh, been in New Zealand for about ten years. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. So yeah, so my my wife and and family are having to learn how to put up with me on a full time basis at the moment. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they're 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 appreciating it. Well, I, I thought it'd be interesting because of the the many things that you've done over the years to to get a little bit of that background of um you know of, of some of your um, some of your history in the in the tech world. Um, and look, I, I mean, you you've been involved in so many things. I'm not quite sure which which things you'd like to uh, you'd like to pick out. Uh, I mean, my my recollection. Um, uh, of probably first coming across you was uh, you were uh, the managing director or, or chief executive at uh, Microsoft New Zealand uh, when it when it started uh, as an actual you know New Zealand um, entity. Before that, Microsoft products were just uh, through a, I think a single distributor in New Zealand, and there was no actual in country representation. And, and it moved from that uh, you know pretty quickly. Uh, to uh, you know, being a local operation that that grew at pace, and uh, the likes of Bill Gates and, and Steve Barmer were flying into the the country. Uh, you you mentioned to me before we before we started. Um, but how did you get to that point of being um, you know shoulder tapped to uh, um, or you know pulled into uh, to to lead um, Microsoft locally? What, what was yeah. before that? Uh, I mean, a whole bunch of stuff before that. I'm an I'm, I'm an old guy, uh, Paul. So. <laughs> Been yeah, around. I think I've forgotten more of the things that I've done than, than I remember these days. But um, you know, immediately, you know, um, I guess before Microsoft, and I was the second MD there. Uh, Chris Callagher was the guy that um, set up uh, um, Microsoft in New Zealand for the first time. But so I took over when when Chris moved on to to run the Australian sub. Um, but immediately prior to Microsoft, I um, I was. Um, uh, 2IC to um, Keith Davis um, at Bell South, so um, launched the, the Bell South GSM network, or the first, you know, or the first digital network, second cellular network here in New Zealand. So that was a, that was kind of you know a monstrous startup, if you, if, if you like to think of it as that. And before that, yeah, I'd, yeah, it was. And, and and prior to Bell South, I'd spent a bunch of years offshore with you know uh, my first entrepreneurial adventure as part of. Uh, 
back international back in the I guess mini computer days is, is I guess the way you'd uh, so that 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 really dates me because that takes it takes us back to the mid eighties so yeah so Microsoft was yeah you know, I joined Microsoft um, you know after after spending some time at Bell South and uh, you know it was a it was a really really um, exciting time for Microsoft uh, as a as a company um, you know you know probably the highlight of you know my career there was Windows ninety five and and the launch of that. Um, 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 you know that that brought you know Bill Gates back to New Zealand for the for the second time, and I think within twelve months. And and you know we also had Barma um, visit New Zealand as part of that. So these guys were you know um, took a lot of interest in every single one of these subsidiaries, and you know so it was a, it was a it was a really really interesting time to be able to you know work alongside, learn from um, you know um, you know tech luminaries like you know Gates and Barma. Yeah, amazing. And is it? I mean, anything that sort of you know s- struck you from interacting with them? Because I mean, that was a business that grew from nothing to you know ultimately right at the pinnacle in terms of businesses globally. And I guess how software is sold today, it's you know, is quite different to how it was then. And you know, really, the subscription models have have really helped grow revenues even even more. But it, it, it was still quite a key time in Microsoft's development and must have been very interesting in interacting um, yeah. with such visionary leaders. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I mean, and it was, a, you know, it um, was a time where I learned a lot as a, as a manager and an executive. I mean, I think probably some of the things that I took away from from, from my interactions with, um, you know, guys like Bill Gates and, and, and Steve Barmer, one, they were insanely competitive people. So to be successful, you you have to, you know, want to and be driven to compete. So, I mean, that was, um, I guess that was the first thing. Um, second thing, um, you know, I learned from, uh, are you still there, Paul? Yep, yep. yep. Sorry, I just, yeah. Second thing I learned from, uh, um, then was, you know, the, their culture was one where, you know, they would uh, intensely debate decisions. Um, you know, I mean, often when you're making decisions in, in, in a high-tech environment, um, there isn't a, a roadmap or a template to follow. So, you know, you've got you've to be prepared to, you know, deba- you know, have a robust debate about, you know, the, the key decisions and the important decisions. Um, so, I mean, that's something I've carried forward with me into my, you know, you know, in, in my career, and um, and and the final point is, you know, when you make a mistake, um, you know, when you get it wrong, you know, being prepared to put your hand up, um, take responsibility, and change direction really, really quickly. I think, you know, I mean, they were things that, you know, I I, I found, um, you know, Bill Gates in particular was just, um, you know, was ama- absolutely amazing at, and and you know, really, really key lessons that have shaped me and 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 my career since then. Any uh, any recollections on any uh, any wrong wrong turns where um, you know there were? The- oh, I, yeah, I mean, I think you know the you know the the really big one that happened in my um, you know in, in my era was you know the the you know the the internet era, I mean, which was emerging in in, in that time, and uh, and the browser wars with Netscape and. You know, um, you know, Microsoft was you know, you know was was largely set on building its own version of the internet. At the time, it was a proprietary world. They they owned the desktop, um, and then when they understood you know what the browser actually meant, I can remember you know coming to work early one morning, and and Bill had written a, a very long email to you know to to you know managers and uh, executives in the company about how. Um, you know, we needed to embed the browser, um, the internet into everything. And it, and it really was, a, you know, one, complete 180 degrees to the previous strategy. And literally the whole organisation turned on a dime and, um, you know, and, and changed direction. So that was, you know, that was, you know, I mean, that was, um, you know, quite amazing to see, quite amazing to be part of. Yeah, yeah. Now, look, I want to be able to get get on to talking about um Soul machines, of 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 course, and maybe we can we can save another sort of podcast to, um, you know, hear, hear the highlight of your of your journey. But I would be a, a little bit curious to hear, sort of, you know, say between those Microsoft days and 
and now um, one or two sort of high, highlights. Um, and and I don't know how you do that because there's uh, there's been a lot of things that you've done in, yeah. in between. But you know, as you say, you've been flying around the world and and um, you know doing business globally for a long time. Um, right now, we can't uh, we can't travel, but more than ever, I think um, you know. New Zealand businesses need to be looking out globally and looking for those opportunities to export um, and to sell our intellectual property, um, our smarts, um, our creativity to the to the world. So I'm kind of curious if there's some uh, some learnings you've got a, along the way um, that you might be able to you might be able to share from from that period. Um. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I mean, I, while I've always lived here, I've always done business on the international stage. So, um, yeah, that's kind of been what what's always fascinated me. I, you know, inspired you know from the early days of my entrepreneurial career, working with people like um, Bill Foreman at, at, at um, Trigon Packaging. Um, you know, it was a high tech engineering company in the plastic space. You know. You know, Bill was driven to to compete and win on the international stage, and and you know he was my first boss, and and, and it's kind of inspired my whole career. So, um, look, you, you learn every, every you know every step along the way. You make lots of mistakes. You know, um, you you accumulate lots of scar tissue to, you know, that that help you. You know, that you can take forward from one business opportunity to the next. Um, you know, um, um, immediately prior to Soul Machines. Uh, you know, um, I had uh, Power by Proxy, which um, was co- co-founded with Fatty Mishriki, um, out of the you know, spin out of the University of Auckland, um, a business that we you know uh, we you know we competed um, and you know won you know in some really really interesting battles on the on the world stage. I mean, yes, yeah, it was fascinating to watch. Yeah, it was a fascinating place. I mean, it was a, it was a, a, a world that was. Heavily based on a, a major standards battle, um, and and our engineers at Power by Proxy Fatty, um, you know, were really able to really shape that um, the outcome of, of a global fight for the standard for, of wireless power, just because they were the best engineers um, um, and they had the best understanding of how to build solutions in that space so you know there were that was um an, an amazing time i mean capital raising becomes a really really important part of you know a um a, a venture capital journey um or, or an entrepreneurial journey particularly if you're wanting to compete on the, on the world stage you know you've got to um put yourself in a position to to raise capital um not not just raise cap venture capital, but to to look to raise venture capital from the best investors in in um, in, in in a in your space in your market in the world. Um, you know, it's you know, at Soul Machines, we're we're extraordinarily fortunate to have some of the best, some of the top, some of the leading AI investors in the world um, as um, in, investors in, in Soul Machines, and and that makes a big difference to your credibility and the way people look at you and the way people regard you, um, yes. you know, on the world stage. Um, you know, Horizons Ventures. Um, you know, um, and Selena Chow, who who heads that venture fund based out of Hong Kong, um, amazing team of people who have, you know, invested in and managed to pick, um, you know, some amazing winners in the AI space. They were early investors in in DeepMind. They were early investors in the Siri team that got acquired by Apple. And when they left Apple, they um, invested in 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 Viv. Um, big investors in Zoom um, as well. So, you know. Uh, having you know people like Selena, Chris Liu, and and some of the other members of of that venture team, you know, be here to help us and and guide us as you know you know particularly through uncertain times like this, you know, in, invaluable. And then you know um, you know another thing that we, we you know we're very fortunate about you know right now right you know right here is um, we, you know we just closed a major funding round um, in December of. Uh, last year, so it means we, you know, we do go into into this crisis, into these uncertain times with it, with it, with um, a lot of capital in the bank, which does mean you know we can continue to execute against our our plan. We don't have to um, you know be worried about um, you know how we're going to continue. Um, uh, so you know we and, and we brought on you know some more great investors, Tomasic 
uh, global investor out of Singapore, Lakestar, one of the biggest VC funds in Europe, and, and Salesforce Ventures as part of the as part of our um, as part of that investment group. Um, and each of those are, are making a huge difference to um, you know the way in which we are able to operate now. Um, you know, it, you know, raising venture capital is, you know, all about, you know, how you use that money to get to your next round or how you use that money to get to to get to profitability. So, um, you know, as a company, you know, you know, um, you know um, we're very fortunate, unlike, you know, you know a, a lot of startups, you know, who, who, you know, now have to, you know, just can't find or can't, you know, can't raise, you know, their next round of capital, you know, by good luck and good timing, we are in a we are in a, in a very very fortunate um, position today. But you know, um, you know, and there is you know, I mean, and and uh, there is a, a a lot of hard work and um, good luck and good timing that goes into to raising any funding round. So um, so yeah, we, I mean, once again, it, it does enable us to, um, to to continue on with what you know the work that we're doing and and how we're doing. We're, we're, we've actually been. Um, continuing to grow as a company, you know, not as fast as we'd originally planned to, but we're continuing to grow as a company, you know, both from, uh, you know, both from a, an employee and a, and a revenue point of view, um, you know, managing a, a growing team of 150 peop- odd people um, all around the world, um, you know, um, means, you know, I, I now spend a whole bunch, you know, a lot more of my day just communicating and, um, you know, talking to people and making sure they understand, you know, um, changes in directions and you know, you know the new world in which we're living and, and what that actually means for, for us as an organization hmm. now you you talked about um, you know the importance of, um, of of funding but for more than actually just the uh, the, the financial aspects that you know um, it seems to be very important particularly in, in times like this to be able to draw in on the um, the expertise of these, uh, you know, venture capital um, firms and and their uh, leadership. Um, how much do you think that, uh, in terms of them deciding to invest in, and in, for instance, um, you know, Soul Machines, um, how much of that comes down to the people, and how much comes down to, um, you know, the uh, the 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 ideas and the uh, the the intellectual property because. You know, it's always a balance, isn't it? And um, I'm, you know, I'm sure, um, you know, you probably get it more than me. But you know, I get people sort of, you know, telling me about their ideas and you know, telling me how amazing these uh, these things are that they've got. But you know, ultimately, without the right uh, mix of people uh, behind those ideas, then um, it, it's unlikely that uh, a startup's going to be successful. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it always does come down to the, the team, you know, and the the, the the you know the people you bring on board, the leadership team that you build um, to execute um, against your you know your idea, you know your product, your strategy. So, I mean, it very very much is you know comes down you know in most respects to the quality of your team. You know, um, you know, we're a, I mean, a, I mean, a, as a company, we we've got a very very deep research focus. Um, you know, my amazing um, co-founder and, and the inventor of our technology, Dr. Mark Sager, um, you know, I mean, really has developed through, um, you know, what is a very, very unique career, um, you know, this amazing um, body of an intellectual property that, you know, is at the cornerstone of what we call the, the emerging field of artificial general intelligence, you know, so, you know, what comes after AI artificial general intelligence more adding more human intelligence and and mark's research and and to you know using neuroscience um psychology you know stuff we refer to as biologically inspired ai you know i mean you know we are you know i mean we are now recognized as the leading you know you know research company deep research company in this field so that's a very very important part of what we do and how investors look at the value of our company um, but I guess you know you know by the same token you know at, at the end of the day um, ult- the ultimate test comes down to revenue you know revenue growth and market share you know um, you know and what that what your trajectory looks like and how that will uh, how that's um, progressing I think you know if we go back and I've, I've seen through um, through a, a few of these uh, economic um, um, you know, um, 
events in my career. You know, I, I vaguely remember the '87 crash. Um, you know, the dot the dot com bubble bursting um, in 2001. You know, the GFC, and now you know now this, um, which is you know which we we, we now know is going to change the the world as we know it, and and you know in just about every respect um, going forward. So. Um, you know, you know, one of the things you know, I think you know, you know, we think about, and anybody who is venture funded or aspiring to be venture funded, you know, coming out of this, you know, you know, um, history would say that the most important thing going forward will be revenue growth rates. You know, and you know, if you know, if if you are, you know, as, as investors get their checkbooks out again. Um, you know, next year or the year after or, or, or whenever it might be, you know, it, it is going to be look at companies that are, are really demonstrating, you know, um, you know, um, you know, the best revenue growth growth rates in their category. So that's kind of how, you know, that's what's driving a lot about the way I, I'm I'm thinking at the moment and the, and the way I'm and the way I'm which I'm managing the strategy for. For soul, soul machines, um, we're heading into this. You know, I talk, you know, we're heading into this digital era. You know, now I mean, and, and look, we've all been talking to about you know digital transformation um, for for a long time now, and you know, and some of us, you know, I mean, and, and many organisations, many industries have been too much talking, doing too much talking, and not enough doing in the space. Um, and and it is a massive shift to digital. You know, um, you know, you know, you know, in, in every every sense, um, you know, there are so many uncertainties. There are so many unknowns. You know, um, we can't bank on the fact that there will be a vaccine. You know, we can't bank on the fact that there won't be a second wave, or there that you know, in twelve months' time, twenty four months' time, there might not be an, a, another mutation, and you know, and more virulent mutation of this disease. I mean, I don't know. I mean, for the best I can make out. Um, even the best experts don't know at this point in time. So they are the sort of, you know, things, you know, that's the sort of environment where we have to think about the way in which we plan it, you know, all of our businesses, all of our industries going forward. I mean, assuming that, we're, you know, um, that we can just go back to being, um, um, you know, dependent on tourism, you know, anytime soon. I, look, I just don't see that. Um, happening now. Look, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't hope that it does, um, Paul. I mean, but you know, I, I think you know we're in a world now where if we're not planning our business, we're not planning the way we're going to compete within our industry, or reinvent our industry, or re- even reinvent our company to be, you know, um, you know, to, to deliver our our products, our services, our brands, our customer experiences in a digital way. Um, you know, I think we're I think we're missing the point in you know in what will be a you know will end up being pretty disastrous if, if, if for those that don't get it. Um, and and that's you know I think that's you know the really really the big opportunity for New Zealand and the New Zealand economy going forward. You know, we have great UFB, um, we have great broadband infrastructure in this country, better than many countries. Yet, you know, by most measures, you know, we've been slow to invest in. In, in, in the digital economy, we've been slow to invest in, you know, in, in online e- uh, e-commerce and, and retail-based e-commerce. So, you know, these, I think, are, are, are the opportunities that, um, you know, we really need to wrap our heads around. And, and as you say, I mean, we have as a, you know, a, as a as a country, as, a, as, as an inherent part of our culture, this innate creativity and this ability to to, to um, you know, make things happen, and, and you know, but it, it really comes down to making that conscious cho- choice around, you know, whether we, you know, whether we're going to be looking back and saying, you know, you know, we want the world to go back to that way, or whether we're looking forward and saying, how do we need to change? What do we need to do differently now? So that's, you know, that's very much, you know, the way in which, um, you know, I mean, obviously we're a digital, we're a completely digital business. You know, we haven't, you know, we barely missed a day. Um, of work, um, you know, we're completely redesigning the way we work now. I mean, you know, we've discovered how much more efficient we can be from working from home, and um, you know, um, and, and you know, so so you know, as we move towards level two and the potential to you know maybe reopen our office, um, you know, 
we're not going to reopen it the way it was being used before. We're looking at how we might reconfigure it, how you know we might give people a lot more flexibility around, you know, working from home and you know, um, you know, and when and, and who and where people work and how people work. So, so yeah, it's it's I mean yeah I mean I mean and you know it's uncertain, but it's you know it's it's exciting to be looking at these types of challenges. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's pleasing to see uh, to see your your approach there, and you know I I do yeah I do wonder um, you know how as as a country with so many sort of smaller to medium businesses, and some of them um, yeah as you say we, we're not as um, astute digitally and as advanced digitally as we really should be, especially considering that underlying. Um, infrastructure, um, you know, it, it is going to be an interesting journey forward and looking back in three, four, five years to see, you know, who are those that, that really succeeded, that really took advantage um, of this opportunity where we're, we're sort of forced to step back and to rethink things um, because of the level of disruption that's going on um, right now. And I think, you know, there are, there are Plenty who are uh, you know looking looking at things and just waiting for it to get back to level two, level one, and we'll just go back to um, our offices and, and operate as we uh, as we always did, and maybe miss that opportunity. I certainly hope that's um, that's not the case. Um, now you you talked about um, you know as a as a startup, and you're what about four? Is it four years or so? Into how many years into the journey? Uh, now? Uh, three and a half. Yep, yep, be, yep. Yeah, we're getting getting close to four. Actually, you know, getting really close to four. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. The, the year seems to have disappeared um, very quickly already. So yeah, no, we, but we are getting close to four years old. So you're you're four years, and you, I mean, a, a, a very much a, a research based, um, you know, business, and and yet you can't just sort of stop and focus on your research for the first five or ten years. You've actually got to be out selling. Um, what sort of a challenge? You know, is is that for you to um, to monetize? Because I, you know, I guess there's a, um, you know, well, we've seen seen it with other business. I mean, Zero is an example where they, you know, they put a, a huge amount of uh, time into um, being being focused on on growth and development while they're still developing their technology underlying. Now, you know, a very sort of different business, and and for them it was that their cash was going into um, you know growing market share. Uh, in different parts of the world, uh, such you know, such as the US, that was was really expensive. Um, you know, in your case, I guess you're you know you're on this research and development journey. Um, but yeah, how do you how do you balance that sort of investment into going out and selling, and the investment into um, you know the research, which which you know has to underpin anything that you ever have to sell. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess there's two parts to it. So you know. Um, to do the sort of research we require, we do requires a lot of money. So you know, I mean, I, we we raised. I mean, as a as a as a company in four years, we've you know we raised sixty five million US dollars in in venture capital. So I mean, there's look, there's just no way we could um, you know we could fund this the type of research um, that we're doing um, and and the the amount of research that we're doing. You know, on you know, on you know, more you know, what I'd call more typical New Zealand size you know VC rounds, which you know at Series B, it, it's more like, I mean, you know, companies might have raised five million dollars, you know, you know, five to ten million dollars. So, I mean, so part of it is you know predicated, you know, our business model is predicated on doing that research and raising the the, the amount of capital that's required to do that research. But at the same time, you know, I mean, we do have this, you know, this twin-headed or dual-headed, you know, focus. So, you know, Mark is really focused on the research and driving, the, dr- driving you know, the, the amazing technology that, that he's created, him and, his, him and our team have created to the next level. And, and my job, you know, you know, on the business side is to really build a world-class business team. You know, our, 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 our business head office is based in San Francisco. We've attracted, you know, we've attracted leading, you know, Product um, sales, customer success, marketing executives from from top, you know top 
um, technology companies in the US to come on board and set up our, you know, set up the, the, the commercialization side of our organization and really, really, you know, prosecute, you know, the, the, um, the markets and and win the sorts of brands that we're doing business with where you know as well as being a world-class research company you know we've demonstrated um um you know our ability to to you know attract major brands like uh, you know like procter and gamble like mercedes-benz autodesk um um, just to name a few, um, we've really been very successful at, um, you know, attracting some of these big brands to to come and work with us and be part of and be part of a journey. And that provides, you know, that p- provides a very very strong foundation for us to continue to build our business and accelerate our growth. Um, so we do offer, you know, I mean, we currently, you know, um, with San Francisco as, a, as our business head office, we have, we have offices in LA, Chicago, New York, London, Tokyo, Melbourne. So at the moment, we are, you know, our plans this year were to open, you know, with our new investment to open offices in, in Singapore and in, in, uh, and in Europe. But, you know, they're on hold for now. So we're, so we're very, very much focused on the markets that we're, 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 um, yeah, we're prosecuting at the moment. Yep, yep. Now, um, maybe you can walk us through just a, a little bit more of um, of the the history in terms of, um, you know, I guess it goes back to, to Mark's initial research and how, you know, how his his work there. And I remember seeing him, um, you know, featured at a at a at a TEDx, um, you know, here here in Auckland. Probably that was that was uh, maybe the the early days, but possibly before uh, the business started as such, or or in the early days, and uh, and then yeah. you know, that uh, that journey. I mean, how how did it go from those initial ideas into into a business that uh, that you know so well funded and has such a big team, um, you know, working working on it. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so you know, you know Mark, um, you, know, you know, Mark's well known for his success as a, you know, in Hollywood, winning Oscars for the animation technology he, he created for movies like Avatar and, and King Kong. So that's sort of, you know, that's sort of a platform for you know which Mark um, grew off. I mean, he'd also had a career doing a lot of academic research in the United States prior to. To joining the movie industry, so um, so you know after winning a couple of Oscars, Mark um, set up a research lab at the University of Auckland to to start exploring this concept of autonomous animation. Um, so um, um, if you th- if you look at the movie industry and you look at movies like Avatar and you know the amazing C- the amazing CGI movies, all of that animation is created using actors and motion capture cameras and you know pre-recorded and edited content. Um, you know, so Mark had got curious about how you could take that next step. You know, in a world of AI in a world of machines, how could we? autonomously animate CGI characters. And that's what he set up his original research lab at the University of Auckland to study. And, and, and the core concept he started with, you know, really came back to, well, how are we animated? How are we as humans animated? You know, I mean, what's animating this conversation is, you know, is, is our brain. You know, my brain, the words I'm choosing, the way I'm expressing myself, your, your brain, the questions you're asking and the interaction that we're having for your uh, um, for your listeners and viewers, so um, so you know, Mark started then pull, pulling together a you know a multidisciplinary research team of neuroscientists, psychologists, and you know, and that's where you know a lot of his you know a lot of the core work began. That was back in 2012. You know, so for the for the first um, you know um, from 2012 through to the middle of 2016, you know, Mark had built up a research team. You know, his focus was around um, his a project called Baby X, which is um, you know um, an autonomous digital baby um, that um, um, you know um, he built and brought to life using you know the early versions of our digital brain. Um, you know, he, during that period, the team filed a lot of core patents. You know, um, um, so uh, Mark and I were. Um, at the beginning of 2016, Mark and I were introduced by a mutual friend, Claudia Batten, um, another um, flying Kiwi um, award winner uh, and, and a, a very close friend of mine. 
um, she introduced Mark and I. We, you know, we had the prefer, proverbial, you know, went to the, the pub, had a beer, decided we quite liked each other's personalities and complementary skill sets. And, um, and, and, you know, that's really where the, um, you know, journey began. It was, I think, February of 2016, um, between February and um, the middle of July when the company was officially formed, we, we built a business plan um, and, and raised money from, you know, um, bought our first round of Series A venture capital on board from the Horizons Ventures team out of Hong Kong. So that, that was really, you know, and, and that first round of funding was seven and a half million US, US dollars. So that was, that was something that was, um, um, that, that was the, the first steps. Um, you know, from there, you know, a lot of research organisations stay very research focused. Um, you know, I mean, if you look at DeepMind as a, you know, um, a, a, as an, a, you know, as a comparable, you know, the um, Demise and Mustafa at, at DeepMind, you know, really only wanted to be a research based organisation, and so that's you know, what, um, that's one of the the reasons why you know they decided to um, exit the business at a relatively early age. Um, you know. Or, or you know, or you know, exit the business for their investors and become part of Google's research team. So, um, you know, Mark and I both wanted to see this technology commercialized and, and see it become successful. So, you know, one of the things that we've been very, very focused on is making sure that we are, you know, continuously engaged with selling to, you know, building solutions for customers because we find that as a really, really essential ingredient in terms of providing that feedback loop into, you know, our research and our and our development. Because, I mean, ultimately, what we're about here is we're creating a different type of user experience, and you know, really, really hard to build, you know. Uh, the future, you know, what we believe will be the future of user experience, the way in which we as people will interact with machines in the future, really, really hard to build that without a lot of different um, user feedback and in different in industries and different use cases. So, you know, that's why the, the two parts of the company are so valuable to each other. That's great. Now, um, t- I'd like to hear a little bit about what what you envisage that future, uh, you know, to look like. Uh, we, I guess, you know, we got introduced um, uh, pr- primarily by uh, uh, Apple to, um, you know, interfacing with a computer through a, um, a mouse in the, uh, you know, back, back in the uh, 80s. Uh, we've got used to voice being part of the, um, you know, mix now with, um, you know, Amazon uh, Alexa and, of course, um, you know, Google Assistant and uh, Cortana and and, and so on. Um, but really what you're, um, you know, working on is that, that, that next stage. And, you know, I, I don't know how you, uh, uh, how far out you expect it to be till we sort of, you know, reach uh, the, this world where, where we can chat with technology just as easily as uh, how we're uh, talking today. But, you know, what do you see that picture uh, looking like and what are the key steps along the way? Yeah, um, well, really good question, really big question, <laughs> um, and lots of different parts to that answer. So, I mean, look, obviously, um, you know, you know, um, we're you know the AI era or the machine era, um, you know, is really you know even though you know elements of you know the the what I call the bucket of technologies that make up artificial intelligence have been around for for a very very long time. You know the you know early machine learning algorithms date you know date back to the sixties and uh, um, so you know um, you know so we are really at the beginning of the this era. You know what we do know is you know fewer you know not less people than we would think realize that they're interacting with artificial intelligence in some way on a daily basis already whether it's you know buying something on a on amazon or interacting over so, social media i mean you know ai is you know c- you know controlling analyzing data and controlling a lot of the content and a lot of what's going on in the background we're entering an era where you know um we're going to spend more and more time talking to machines and interacting with machine, machines. Um, more, you know, um, with you know, if if this you know pandemic, if this this world, this pandemic pandemic world we live in today becomes something that 
becomes a pandemic era, you know, heaven forbid, you know, where this, you know, we're, we're going to may see waves of, of, you know, coronaviruses or what, you know, come through and repeat, um, you know, Digital interaction is going to become, you know, really, really important. Um, you know, so you, you get into questions, well, how, how do brands create personal customer interactions when, you know, it's difficult to, to get them via, you know, a retail store, for example. So, um, you know, we, we, we recently, um, a project we completed for the SK2 brand, the high-end skincare um brand at Procter & Gamble gives a peek into that future and that, you know, SK2 um, asked us to work with them to build Yumi, but Yumi is an AI-based digital influencer um, who is designed to create these highly personal, you know, brand interactions, conversations between 20-something-year-olds and Yumi about SK2 products. And, you know, what they are really looking at doing is targeting that brand you know, at a completely different generation of users. Um, you know, and, and so that for us becomes, you know, you start, start to think about it and say, well, you know, right at the moment, you know, there, there are lots of big brands that, you know, are struggling to create, you know, personal customer interactions at the moment because, I mean, shops, retail stores remain, you know, remain closed. Um, so, you know, people are, are having to start to think about how do we create that personal, you know, customer interaction. You know, um, we've seen, um, you know, uh, you know, big companies, you know, um, big organisations, government organisations, healthcare organisations, you know, uh, you know, in times of crisis, help desks and customer service centres become very, very important, and they've become completely overwhelmed with the volumes of, you know, of calls that they've taken. So, you know, you, you start to say, well, you know, well, what role could, you know, a, a digital helper, you know, um, play in an environment like this? And, you know, one of the projects, we, you know, we launched ourselves recently um, uh, was Bella Helps, um, um, you know, a Kiwi digital companion who can answer you know, questions about COVID-19 um, can, and, and is providing a whole lot of really interesting content provided by different people and, and from different industries and d different parts of the New Zealand, uh, uh, different parts of New, Ze New Zealand, just to provide a, a different way of, you know, showing what's a different way you can interact with people, um, you know, during a crisis. I mean, you, you know, the cool thing about digital people is they don't get sick. Um, they're infinitely scalable, which means you don't have long wait times. Uh, you can update content, and everybody gets and knows exactly what you know what to say uh, when asked in exactly the same way. So you know, it's it's not as if this technology to, is being designed to replace um, um, people. It's being designed to complement people. I mean. You know, let's use our help desks. You know, and the you know the, the amazingly skilled real people, you know, that man them and staff them to um, focus on the, you know, the ten percent of the really really difficult problems. You know, and and let's use, you know, um, Bella and digital helpers like Bella to you know handle you know eighty percent of the queries, which are just the same questions being asked over and over again. So you know there's some really really different and interesting ways to think about where this technology goes. Um, you know, and the sorts of use cases. There are a number of really important enabling technologies because, you know, AI is at, you know, at a relative, you know, I mean, in terms of that exponential curve um, and influence of that technology, it's still relatively early days, you know. You know 5G networks will make, a, you know, a big impact to, you know, the you know, provision of, you know, this, our technology and, and the sorts of experience. You know, having ubiquitous, you know, broadband, um, ubiquitous, you know, low latency, high high availability networks everywhere um, is really going to help. Um, um, uh, I mean, that, that's going to be important. Advances in um, NLP engines and to, you know, from the world of natural language processing to natural language generation is going to be important. You know, we saw, you know, the guys at Google, you know, preview duplex and some amazing voice synthesis technology, you know, so all of these things become, you know, parts of the stack that we're part, you know, that, that, that you know, uh, are parts of the way in which AI will become, you know, will become part of our lives. So, you know, um, you know, for, you know and, and one of the core theses we have here is, 
you know, behind the, you know, the uh, artificial intelligence is going to create a lot of different machine type interactions, whether it's self-driving cars, um, you know, for example, um, and we're going to have to learn how we're going to relate to those cars, you know, those self-driving cars, if I use that as an example, how we're going to relate to them, how we're going to learn to trust them. You know, and, and that's a really, really important part of the user experiences because as human beings, we build relationships and we create trust through face-to-face -face interaction, through multimodal communication. You know, you, you can ask, you know, you, if we're quite happy um, asking Siri um, a question um, and getting an answer, but are we really going to fall in love with Siri or build a relationship with Siri or, you know, a, even a trusted relationship with Siri? So, you know, these are the parts of the future user experience that, you know, you know we are really exploring as a company. And, 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 and there are, you know, there are lots of different parts of those components that come together. I mean, we imagine a world where, you know, um, you know, in the future, um, you know, augmented, you know, you know, if the headsets, the, the bulky headsets shrink down to a, you know, um, you know, a, a glasses size, they're comfortable to wear on an ongoing basis, it becomes a, com a, a compelling part of the world. So, you know, maybe the future of tourism will be an, a an AR experience, um, you know, or, you know, or, or part of the future of the tourism industry will be an AR experience, you know, um, you know, or, do, do you know, we need to, do we need to watch a, 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 a few, uh, a few old movies like Total Recall to get a, uh, a taste, taste of the future, Greg? Well, um, yes and no, yes and no. Um, you know, look, um, you know, look, look, here's the thing, you know, science fiction and, and Hollywood, you know, does a great job of helping us imagine what the future could be like. But let's be, you know, let's also be really, really clear here. Um, you know, for some reason, uh, us humans are inter entertained by very dystopian views of our future, whereas, um, you, know, you know, we actually have a very optimistic or a very utopian view of, of the world of the future and the way, in which, the, the way in which we'll be able to collaborate and cooperate with machines as opposed to, you know, be, be killed by them or, or be ruled over by them. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting point. Um, we had a, a, a comment come through from uh, Sean Dring and um, uh, via Facebook, and he was asking, um, you know, around uh, you know ethical guidelines around using digital humans, and uh, you know whether uh, you know, I guess this this is probably some point in the in the future in terms of uh, digital humans being able to uh, you know potentially uh, impersonate. Uh, you know, real people, but you know, how much uh, do you need to be thinking about those ethical uh, challenges at the moment, or is or is that still uh, you know some years off before you oh, you know no. have to give it a huge amount of thought? No, no, no. It's something we put a huge amount of thought into today. I mean, we have an we have an ethics team, um, you know, um, you know, made up of IP lawyers, ethic, you know, ethics specialists. Uh, we have. You know, um, Dr. Ali Knott, who's a professor at the University of Otago, who, who's, a, who's a leading researcher in, in the world of AI and ethics, um, a leading researcher and commentator. We have, you know, an incredibly detailed um, policy, um, um, you know, that everybody in our company, you know, knows and understands right through from research, right through to customer success and implementation. So ethics is a very, very important part of it. You know, when you think of governance, most companies have a, most companies have a, you know, audit and risk committee and they have a remuneration committee. We also have an ethics subcommittee of our board. So, you know, you know we believe, you know, that ethics, privacy, you know, um, data, um, data privacy in this world of AI and, and in this, this this world of digital people that we're creating, we believe they're believe they're absolutely fundamental fundamental components, you know, of the future. You know, I mean, first rule, you know, the digital you know, the digital person that you're talking to should always, 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 always tell you, "Hi, I'm a digital person. I'm not a real person." You know, so, you know, how do you, you know, because, you know, I mean, if you think about it, you know, there's a fundamental problem there. If you're trying to create a relationship and trust, you know, trying to trick people right from the outset, now nah, that's never going to work. Um, you know, there are industries, there are use cases, you know, that we simply wouldn't allow. Um, you, know, you know, we would never, you know, a simple example, you know, we would never allow the creation of a 
digital politician. You know, we, we are already seeing the way in which social media is being used, you know, to influence, you know, the fundamental principles of our democracy. Uh, you know, you know, having a, a you know a, a digital president or a digital version of a prime minister of a country that can be used um, to, you know, um, to you know, you know, in, in run-ups to elections, you know, it's something we, you know, I mean, we just said, no, that's, we will not uh, uh, allow those types of use cases. And, and that, you know, and so it gives you, hopefully gives you some ideas about, you know, where we, you know, where we see the boundaries, the parameters and, and, and the guardrails. But, you know, you've got to start with, um, you know, um, from a fundamental position of, um, you know, you're, you're, you're using this technology to improve, um um, the lives of people. I mean, I mean, you talked, um, you touched on a little a little while ago, Paul, about um, um, you know whether New Zealand, New Zealand, and New Zealanders can adapt. I mean, one of the things that um, absolutely blew me away was you know when we think of healthcare and we think of education, these are industries that, in many respects, have been quite slow to adopt new technologies to become digital. Yet, as they, you know, as they actually were forced to move to be digital, you know, at the beginning of April, it's been astonishing to see the speed at which, um, you know, you know, GPs, specialists, um, schools have all found a way to go online and deliver, you know, um, you know, start delivering digital experiences to their, you know, to, to their. Um, to their patients and to, to their students. So, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, once again, I mean, I, I mean, I, I've just been blown away at, at how quick people have been able to adapt and, and actually make it happen. So, I mean, for me, I, I just think it's a, it's a willingness, you know, it's a willingness to do it. It's a need to do it. It's an acceptance that um, it's an imperative for the future. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think you're right there. Um, uh, yeah, obviously there, there is some balance. I uh, remember I was at um, in one of the the, the TV um, newsrooms uh, when it, when it was announced. I think it must have been the national government were um, we're going to transition the education system in New Zealand for there to be an element of online being available uh, to people online uh, learning, and that being you know a um, um, a, a component of our education system going forward. And there was some really hefty uh, pushback from a couple of journalists that I, that I spoke with. And, and um, you know, I was, I was actually sort of, you know, quite, uh, you know, quite shocked how these things can sort of quickly move on to, um, you know, down a, down a political uh, track. And, you know, I, I just shared very, you know, very quickly. Um, you know, my experience as a youngster, where um, my family travelled uh, for a few months overseas, and and uh, we we studied by uh, what was then called the correspondence school. And um, you know, look, the the, the change in our circumstance, um, you know, um, brought about the necessity for a different type of learning. And I remember that we were able to get through our, our schooling for the day, and you know maybe half the time than it uh, than it would have taken in a traditional classroom. Uh, and and certainly while we were still in New Zealand before we actually um, you know got on the got on the road, um, yeah, we ab- absolutely loved it. Now I think my memories of the rest of the travel were probably more on the travel than on the uh, uh, the, the the education side. But you know, I remember looking back at scrapbooks and things and. And realizing actually that was that was something that worked uh, worked very well, and you know I'm hopeful that that from this time uh, that we really will take away some of those learnings about um, the reality that you know sometimes being forced to do something different actually can bring about uh, really good outcomes, and and I guess that brings us to um, the the um as we sort of you know we don't have too much longer left but you know keen to hear um some of your thoughts on on how uh for our uh businesses and organizations in in new zealand um you know we should be maneuvering from this point so that you know we 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 go forward strongly and uh you know don't allow our you know economy to collapse because we're we're uh, you know stuck in this this challenge of uh you know looking at the impact on on tourism um and and on other areas and and deciding um you know to to give up as it were but uh you know really how we can 
um, you know, make some smart decisions and and uh, and move forward. And you know, often that's going to be you know quite small businesses um, needing to you know rethink how they operate or look for um, some new strings to their bow. Or and you know, in some cases, we'll see businesses that have to shut down, um, but still you've got their their their, their people uh, who need to find the next thing to do. So you know, there is certainly room for um, you know completely new innovations and, and new businesses to spring up right now. Um, what what's on on your mind in terms of you know how we should how we should do that? Um, I know it's you know it's obviously you know you've got to be thinking about your business, but you know I I know your wealth of experience means um, you know you'll have some thoughts here. Yeah, I mean I, I guess I mean I've touched on some of the the, 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 the themes um, you know that I think are important. You know um, you know the focus on moving digital i mean and this is you know this is something that doesn't exist just here in new zealand every business in the world you know has to look at a, a much faster and a much more dramatic um a much more dramatic move to um a, a digital world so um you know if you stop and think about it you know as a simple example you know you know online retail um you know i mean amazon is one of the biggest companies in the world uh, yet online retail um, worldwide sits around about 10% um, of all retail sales. So you can imagine, you know, in the world that we're in now, you know, I don't think anybody can give an accurate estimate, but, you know, let's say we move from, you know, the beginning of March when, it, you know, global average was around 10%, you know, some higher, some lower. Let, let's imagine a world by the end of 2020 where it's may, maybe 50% of all retail spend is done online via, via e-commerce. You know, you just, you stop and think about that, and that's a huge shift, um, um, one. But, you know, with that huge shift is this massive opportunity, um, this massive opportunity, you know, to be part of an emerging industry, a new industry, and it, and it won't be one that's completely dominated by big companies um, you know, it'll be dominated by, you know, innovative companies that define their products, their service, their niche, um, their unique value proposition, you know, and deliver it digitally in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a in a way that amazes their customers. So you're not going to see, you know, if that in, indeed is, you know, um, one of the outcomes of this, it, it's a massive opportunity for, you know, it's a massive opportunity for new businesses. It's a massive opportunity for, for existing businesses to pivot um, and change, you know, change direction. You, you think about it. You could also think about um, the efficiencies that, that, that you know digitization can deliver in the health industry or you know, in the health sector or in the education sector um, through through you know on, you know through online you know through the use of digital technologies and and online. So you know what are the ways that you know our our governments can become, you know, more efficient users of taxpayer um, dollars because, you know, I mean, the restructuring, you know, I mean, I suspect, and, you know, um, you, know, I, you, know I, you know, I don't have a huge amount of time to spend studying it, but I suspect, you know, this is going to be looking at both sides of, you know, from an economic recovery point of view, both sides of it, you know, how do we drive, you know, new industry, new business, new growth opportunities on one hand, and how do we create, you know, we use, you know, um, taxpayer money, you know, any any debt funding we create, how do we use it to drive more efficiency, you know, in the way in which we deliver those fundamental products and services. So, you know, that in itself is, is, is a huge opportunity. You know, um, the New Zealand technology industry is a major contributor Um you know, to, to the New Zealand economy um, and one that's growing dramatically, you know, you know, you know, with, you know, with tourism being so challenged by the current environment for the, you know, for, for at, at least, um, you know, the immediate future, you know, you know, there's obviously huge opportunities, um, you know, for the, for the New Zealand technology industry um, to step up and, and grow as well. Um, so, you know, you know, that's some of the ways that I think about it um, um, uh, and some of the, the, the challenges um, that are there. I mean, I remain optimistic. You know, New Zealanders, New Zealand's, even New, New Zealand's small businesses, New Zealand's entrepreneurs, you know, our innovation ecosystem is, is extremely robust, is extremely, you know, 
strong. We have, you know, I mean, you know, the platform that has been built since the, you know, since the, since the 20, the, the beginning of the, the, the century, um, you know, I think will be a, a, a strong part of our recovery going forward. Great. Oh, well, thank you very much for your, um, your insights there, Greg. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very um, upbeat and, and positive about, uh, um, you know, New Zealand's potential and, and, you know, the potential around the world. But I think, you know, we have some, uh, you know, some, some really unique ways of doing business uh, here in, in New Zealand. Uh, and, you know, I, I hope that uh, rather than giving up, we'll certainly see people, um, you know, l- looking to maybe collaborate as well. That, I think that's going to be really, um, you know, really important part is, you know, drawing on the expertise and um, and input of others. So um, we'll, we'll and we'll certainly keep talking about that, um, you know, across our podcasts on the Podcast New Zealand Network, um, including um, the New Zealand Tech Podcast and the, the New Zealand Business Podcast. But, uh, you know, we've got, uh, we've got a, you know, a few other shows there like um, This Climate Business from Vincent Heringer, which is, is delving into, um, you know, some of these, uh, some of these challenges and, uh, and and opportunities. So, um, well, thank you very much, uh, Greg, for your your time. Um, and I hope we'll be able to have you back on uh, on another podcast in the in the not too uh, distant distant future uh, to to hear some more. Cool. Well, thanks for having me, and um, look forward to coming back again, Paul. Awesome. Thanks very much, Greg. You have a great okay. day. Bye bye. And as always, a huge thank you to the brands that stand behind the New Zealand Tech Podcast to make the show possible. App Sumo. Vodafone New Zealand, Spark New Zealand, Vocus, HP and Samsung. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.